0: Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why thousands of patients were treated with psychedelics in the 1950s, whether cold showers are actually worth taking, and why the stereotype of the selfish only child
0: doesn't hold up. Let's satisfy some curiosity. The idea of using psychedelics in medical settings is all the rage these days. But it's nothing new. In the 1950s, scientists performed pioneering experiments with hallucinogenic drugs. They found tons of promising therapeutic applications for psychedelics, but the research was stopped almost as quickly as it began. And it wasn't because of science, but because of politics. Between 1950 and 1965, roughly 40,000 people were prescribed one of many forms of LSD therapy for mental health conditions like schizophrenia, psychopathy, and neurosis. Now, at the time, this was mainstream medical science, taking place at multi-million dollar research facilities and esteemed institutions like Harvard University. Altogether, this research into the potential therapeutic effects of LSD and other hallucinogens led to more than 1,000 academic papers, six international conferences, and big, long-term research studies, like the Spring Grove experiment. To this day, that experiment is the largest ever attempted on the therapeutic effects of psychedelics. Now, while the research was promising, it had its issues— For starters, a lot of the experiments lacked control groups, and negative data may have been excluded from analysis and publication. For example, Timothy Leary's famous Concord prison experiment involved giving 34 prisoners psilocybin alongside psychotherapy to see if it would keep them from re-offending. That study was contested by other researchers, who pointed out problems with its methods and conclusions. But rocky scientific standards notwithstanding, many experiments suggested that hallucinogenic drugs were at least promising enough to warrant more robust and thorough research. But that would have to wait. In 1962, research on hallucinogens in the U.S. came to an abrupt halt. It wasn't due to medical or scientific necessity. Instead, it was a casualty of cultural warfare. That year, the U.S. Congress passed new drug safety regulations, and the FDA reclassified LSD as an experimental drug and began to clamp down on its research. Soon after its reclassification in 1962, LSD escaped the lab, so to speak. As its popularity grew, it became associated with anti-war demonstrators, which led to it being totally outlawed in the U.S. in 1968. It also didn't help that high-profile psychedelics researchers like Timothy Leary were huge counterculture icons. Decades later, a renewed interest in therapeutic psychedelics is gaining serious research traction. In 2020, a systematic review of clinical trials found that LSD could potentially be a very effective tool in psychiatry. And just last month... The National Institutes of Health awarded the first grant for therapeutic psilocybin research in 50 years. Researchers are optimistic about the potential of future studies. This research has a long road ahead, and hopefully it's a good trip.
1: There are plenty of things that are good for your health, but incredibly unpleasant. Taking fish oil or doing burpees come to mind. So what about taking cold showers? It's definitely unpleasant, but is there any evidence that it's good for you? Or is it just a bunch of hot air about cold water? Cold showers have a small but devoted following, especially among biohacker types who are always looking for the next step towards self-optimization. Their purported benefits range from a boosted immune system and metabolism to greater energy and self-discipline. Luckily, a number of studies have looked into some of those claims. And as it turns out, cold showers might actually have real health benefits. In 2016, a group of researchers in the Netherlands found some evidence that cold showers boost immune function. They split 3,000 people into four groups. All took hot showers, but one group was asked to end their showers with 30 seconds of cold water, while another group did 60 seconds and another 90 the control group never subjected themselves to cold water. During and after the 30-day regimen, the researchers were able to measure some real differences between the groups. Those who took cold showers reported fewer sick days from work than the control group, regardless of how long they stood in the cold water. It's not clear why this might be happening, but a much smaller study in the Czech Republic found that cold water immersion slightly boosted the immune system. Now, the study had a small sample size, and the immune system boost was small, but measurable. But it does hint at a possible explanation for the results of the 2016 experiment. Another reason cold showers might boost both energy and health is that a blast of cold water triggers a fight-or-flight response, which causes the body to produce noradrenaline and dopamine, as well as increasing blood flow to muscles. That boost in circulation and feel-good neurotransmitters could be good for you. Other studies have found that cold water boosts a person's metabolism briefly, while others have measured mental health benefits from cold water immersion. The evidence for cold showers is small, but it's there. It's worth mentioning that you shouldn't mess with cold showers if you have certain heart problems. That sudden boost in heart rate could be dangerous. But for those who can, evidence suggests that a blast of cold water may do your body some good, so long as you're willing to brave the cold. Only children get a bad rap. A lot of society believes their lack of siblings makes them spoiled and self-absorbed. But science is slowly repairing their reputation, including a new study, which found that they're not any more selfish than kids with siblings. Scientists G. Stanley Hall and E.W. Bohannon first coined the term only child syndrome at the turn of the 20th century, They categorized kids based on different traits and found a correlation between only child status and attributes like loneliness and selfishness. Hall even called being an only child a disease in itself. But the pair's research has since been discredited, and more rigorous and recent work dispels the myth they started. This latest study was conducted in China, which is like the only child capital of the world. The country implemented a one-child policy in 1980 to curb its booming population. More than 100 million Chinese children grew up without siblings until the program ended in 2016. As a result, Chinese-only children have their own invented diagnosis, Little Emperor Syndrome. To study only children's selfishness, scientists had 337 adults indicate their views on how generous only children typically are. The researchers also had them estimate how much of a given amount of money the average only child would share with them. About a third of those participants had grown up as only children. The results showed that the stereotype is still alive and well. People with siblings rated only children as being more selfish, though people without siblings didn't. Then the team recruited a different group of people, about half of whom were only children, and had them rate themselves. According to their answers, the participants with siblings were just as selfish as the only children. Now, it's possible that there's a flip side to only child syndrome. Prior research found that only children had better relationships with their parents, which might make them even more giving. To test this, scientists recruited 99 students, half of them only children, and offered them a small sum of money to share with their parents, friends, acquaintances, or strangers. But again, there was no difference in the amount each group shared. The only children weren't more charitable, even with their parents. Many families around the world are choosing to have fewer children these days due to climate concerns and sky-high costs of child rearing. At least parents can take peace of mind in knowing that growing up solo doesn't make their children more selfish.
0: Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up.
1: Well, we learned that tens of thousands of patients were treated with psychedelics for mental health conditions in the 1950s. Many of the studies back then were plagued with problems, but that research only came to a halt when LSD became associated with the counterculture and the U.S. government outlawed it completely in 1968. But now research is gaining traction again, and the future of therapeutic psychedelics is looking
0: bright. Also, I want to say in researching this story, I I started to realize how really impossible it is to talk about really anything that happened in the 1960s because everything happened in the 1960s. Yes, everything (laughs) like, you know, the counterculture movement was associated with the Vietnam War, which was associated with the Cold War and the Cold War is associated with the moon landing. And at the same time, you've got the civil rights movement going on. And all of these things have implications for each other. So it's so hard to disentangle any particular thing. But I think that we did a really good job of zeroing in on what we had learned about psychedelics by the early 1960s and the primary reason why it stopped. And now we get to be really optimistic that there will be more research happening soon and with more scientific rigor than before, which means that everybody wins.
1: Right. Because let's be real. Pretty much all science done in the 1950s is like it's like baby stuff. Like we need to (laughs) we need to update it. We've, We've we have better tools. We have better rules and procedures. Like, yes, everything that has been done in the 1950s needs to be built upon. And it's just taken a really long time to be able to do that with psychedelics. But we did land on the moon in the 60s. We did. We did. I mean, so my mom was in junior high in 1969. And there was one day where I was like, mom, I just realized that Woodstock and the moon landing happened in the same year.
0: <laughs> and she was like, yeah, yeah, it did. It was like not a big deal. <laughs> it's just wild to me. I can't handle that decade. And one thing I want to share, because uh, we could talk, we could literally talk about the 1960s. It could be an entire, I mean, th- there is an infinite material with the 1960s. One thing I do want to mention that I did learn while looking into this story is that Timothy Leary gets a lot of kind of credit for popularizing the recreational use of things like LSD He's very outspoken. But I didn't realize the legendary actor Cary Grant was actually the first major reason why the drug LSD started to, quote unquote, escape from the lab. He started giving interviews in 1959 like A lot of interviews talking about his experiences with LSD and there was a massive surge in demand because he spoke of it so highly and people wanted to try it. But yeah, Cary Grant. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. North by Northwest. Great movie. Go watch some Hitchcock. Anyway, we also learned today that there's evidence out there to suggest that cold showers could be good for you. And according to one study, all you need is a 30 second blast of cold water at the end of your shower to do it. Science suggests that this could boost immune function, increase energy levels, briefly boost metabolism and improve mental health. Just don't do it if you have heart problems, because that could be dangerous.
1: And, you know, the evidence so far is weak enough that if you don't want to, you don't have to. It's not that big of a deal. I, for one, am not going to start doing this. You're not? No. Really? Are
0: you? No. (laughs) Well, all right then. Okay, good talk. And we also learned that only children are not more selfish than kids with siblings. Necessarily. That's according to a new study out of China, which tested the generosity of both types of kids and found no differences. Only child syndrome is not a thing. So if you only want one kid, then don't let this myth stop you from being one and done.
1: Very personal
0: question, Cody.
1: Do you only want one kid? I want dozens.
0: (laughs) I really do want, I, I want a lot more, you know, we'll, we'll see. I like the idea. Nice. I know people have strong feelings about this stuff though. Sure. For the record, I don't care how you feel about the environment. Don't go around telling people that you think it's selfish for people to have kids. Cause it's really not nice. I like, I don't need to hear that. I want a kid. I'm going to have a kid. I'm going to do it. Like it, it's, it's just not a nice thing to say. So it's just like, please don't do it. <laughs> Uh, Because I've been in situations where people are like, "Yeah, oh yeah, you know, I'd have a kid, but it's just so bad for the planet. It's just such a bad thing. It's like, come on, what? I'm not allowed to have a kid?"
1: Well, there are also good arguments for the idea that you know, if you raise a kid to care about the environment, maybe you can raise a generation that will help, you know, put a stop to the kind of damage that we've done to the planet. Which is also unfair, right? You don't you don't want to just like put all of that on an entire generation of kids like it it, like has already been done. But there are good reasons to have kids, good reasons for the planet to have kids. And that is not just coming from me. I have heard climate experts say this very thing.
0: Yeah. How many kids do you want? A, 1 through 10, B, 11 through 25, or C, 36 and above?
1: Those are really strange uh, multiple choice but it makes the answer pretty easy. <laughs> well, you didn't give me you didn't give the option of
0: 0. Oh, sorry, 0 to 10, yeah.
1: Okay, uh, yes, 0 to 10 is my answer.
0: Oh, well, all right then. <laughs> you heard it here first, very juicy. Sorry, that's a very personal question. Oh, people know everything about you now. <laughs> you want 0 to 10 kids. Oh man. Today's writers
1: were Cameron Duke and Steffi
0: Drucker. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer. Our producer and audio editor is Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow in less than the amount of time it would take to take a cold shower to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious.